Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. We hope and pray the following message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. You go with me to Matthew 2.11. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Luke two fifteen through 17, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad and saying which was told them concerning this child. It may have been a silent night for some sleepy families in Bethlehem, but it was a glorious night for the shepherds. While they were watching their flocks, an angel of the Lord appeared to them to announce the birth of Jesus. They may have expected a visit from a wolf, but they certainly didn't plan on a visit from an angel. Their response was decisive and filled with excitement as they said to one another, let us now go. Because of their elation at the announcement of the birth of Jesus, they left their flocks behind so they could go and worship the Christ child. After the birth of Jesus, a star appeared in the heavens and settled over the home where Jesus and his family lived. This bright star was noticed by some wise men, possibly astrologers who lived in the east. Although we sing about three kings, we do not know how many wise men join forces to make the long journey to discover the meaning of the star. We do know they came a long way and it took them a long time to find their way to Jesus, but thankfully they found Jesus. When the wise men arrived, they had brought treasures with them, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they presented these gifts to Jesus as an act of worship. They may not have known everything about the Christ, but they knew enough to bring him gifts of worship. The shepherds left their flocks behind to go worship Jesus. The wise men traveled a long way, bringing treasures with them when they came to worship Jesus. At times, worship involves us leaving some things behind like the shepherds did. And at other times, worship involves bringing some things with us to present to the Lord like the wise men did. Merriam-Webster tells us that worship is to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Worship can mean showing adoration, having a feeling of profound love and admiration, and loving without question or even to excess. excess. Our love for God should be manifested in our worship of him. Not only does our worship honor God, but nothing is more fulfilling as a human being than being in the presence of God Worshiping him with all of our heart. Worship must begin with a knowledge or revelation of whom we worship. To be pleasing to God, this knowledge and revelation must come from God's word. The night the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds was a night of revelation and understanding for them. No doubt what they learned about God prior to that night was eclipsed by the glory of the Lord shining around them. Tradition and past experience must yield to biblical truths and greater revelation. True biblical worship will satisfy completely so we do not have to shop around for man-made substitutes. 
William Temple made this clear in his masterful definition of worship shared by Warren Wiersbe in his book, The Integrity Crisis. For worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of will to his purpose. And all of this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable, and therefore the chief remedy for that self-centeredness, which is our original sin, and the source of all actual sin. The shepherds left their flocks behind when they came to Jesus. They were being summoned to a higher place of worship and adoration than ever before, and they were so impacted by the multitude of heavenly hosts that they all agreed to leave their flocks to go worship. If we want to come to Jesus and become all he wants us to be, we may have to leave some things behind. And we are not the first to leave things behind to follow Jesus. The Old Testament tells us Abraham had to leave his home country to obey the call of God on his life. And sometimes God will call us to leave some things behind as a form of worship to show our love and devotion to him. One of the Ten Commandments tells us, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God must always be first in our lives. The shepherds left their flocks. They came to Jesus. I will leave some things behind when I come to Jesus. In Matthew 19, 16 through 22, a story is told of one who came to Jesus, and he was young, he was rich, he, was, he referred to Jesus as good master in an attempt to show Jesus he knew him and was learned of him. And the rich young man asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded to this young man and told him, sell everything that you own and follow me. And the young man couldn't do it. There were some things he could not leave behind, and it cost the young man the relationship with Jesus he sought after. In contrast to the wise men, the shepherds being poor and lowly had nothing to bring with them. However, there were some things they could leave behind. Like many of the Jews during Jesus' lifetime, the shepherds realized the path they were on was not leading them to growth and fulfillment in their relationship with God. And that night, everything changed, and it changed with fresh and new revelation. Jesus had been born, and the shepherds were willing to leave everything behind to worship him. As Jews, these shepherds have been instructed by the law or Old Testament to love and worship God. The book of Deuteronomy contains the Shema, the heart of the Old Testament worship. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. The Jews had been tempted on many occasions to worship idols and sin against God. Scripture reveals that several times they turned their backs on God and left him behind. But when God extended mercy and called them back to himself, they were often too poor to bring treasures. Instead, They were asked to leave some things behind. Leaving their old lives was in itself an act of worship. What would it have been like to have received an angelic invitation to be the first of humanity to visit God manifested in the flesh and have nothing to bring? If you've ever gone to a birthday party or a wedding reception and you realized, I forgot the gift. It can be somewhat embarrassing, right? The shepherds were the first people to arrive, according to Luke, but they arrived empty-handed. Perhaps they didn't even know what to bring. 
Or perhaps the excitement of the angelic announcement so stunned them that they decided to go where Jesus was without even beginning to think about a gift that would be appropriate. The shepherds show us the importance of presenting our own selves as gifts of worship to the king of kings. Then we look at the wise men. They brought gifts when they came to Jesus. In contrast to the shepherds, Gentile worshipers were on their way to see the Messiah, and these three wise men were not coming empty-handed. Their gifts tell us a lot about what we ought to think when we approach the Lord to worship. When we come to worship, we ought to bring gifts that tell Jesus we recognize who he is and desire to give him worship he is worthy of. Matthew is the only writer who mentioned the wise men. Mark and John made no comment about the birth of Christ, while Luke, who wrote the most about the events surrounding Jesus' birth, left this scene out. Matthew's single brief passage has not only sparked a great deal of imaginative speculation over the centuries, but also has raised a lot of questions. Although Matthew mentioned three types of gifts the wise men presented, there may have been two, three, or more men in this band of travelers. Some have even suggested there might have been as many as 12. One of the most familiar images from any nativity scene may be the wise men attending Jesus' birth and the star hovering over the stable where he was born. But few people actually know what the Bible says about this event or what it means for us today. In Matthew 2, 1, we read, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. It would appear from Matthew 2 that the star which the wise men had seen had first appeared the night of Jesus' birth. Matthew says the Magi came to Jerusalem seeking the Messiah, having seen the star that had been in the sky since his birth. King Herod summoned these Magi and wanted to know the exact time the star had appeared, presumably so he could pinpoint the precise moment of Jesus' birth. We're not sure what these wise men told him, but knowing that Herod issued a decree to kill all baby boys two years old and under may indicate Jesus had been born up to two years earlier. The wise men did not arrive at the same time as the shepherds who arrived the same day of Jesus' birth. Indeed, Jesus' family was no longer in a stable. They were living in a house at the time of the wise men's arrival, Matthew 2.11, and when they were coming to the house... They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Whether these wise men understood what their gifts may have represented, the gifts they gave held great significance. These gifts truly reflected the character of Jesus. They were also prophetic as they represented who Jesus was and what he would ultimately suffer The wise men's worship and adoration of him were in large part represented in what they brought to him. The gold may have represented his royalty. Jesus was the king of the Jews, and he is and was the king of kings. The wise men may have recognized this. They completely bypassed King Herod, bringing Herod nothing, and gave their complete allegiance to Jesus. They brought Jesus frankincense, which was an aromatic incense, and this gift may have represented his divinity. He truly was God in flesh, thereby thereby making him qualified to offer himself as a sacrifice. Among their treasures was myrrh. Myrrh was a perfume used during the embalming process. This gift may have represented in a prophetic manner the future death and burial of Jesus. Myrrh may have represented his suffering in humanity. 
The wise men brought gifts when they came to Jesus. I will bring my gifts when I come to Jesus. The wise men worship based on their God-given revelation of him. They worship the one who was king, priest, and would sacrifice himself for their redemption. Today, we may not bring literal gifts to him, but we can bring him the rest of our lives, making him the true king of our lives. We can bring him our desires, showing him our lives are not based on the things that make us happy, but the things that make him happy. We can bring our love, our love for him, our love for ourselves, our love for others. We can bring him our faith, our lives, our families, our finances. We can bring him faith in our future. We can bring him our faith in heaven itself. When we come to Jesus, we leave sin and worldliness behind. We bid farewell to sinful habits and addictions. These actions show us and Jesus that we love him and we desire to please him. This is worship. We worship with the shepherds when we leave our sinful past behind and we submit to his will for our lives. And we worship with the wise men when we bring him gifts of faith and obedience, showing we trust him and submit our lives to him. All our desires, all our hopes, all our dreams are now in his hands. We choose to serve and worship him, not just on Christmas Day as we celebrate his birth, but every day of our lives. Robertson McQuilkin, former president of Columbia International University of Columbia, South Carolina, shared his testimony. Life was heavy on me. My dearest friend and intimate companion, my delightful wife, Muriel, was slipping away one painful loss at a time as Alzheimer's disease ravaged her brain. Just as the full impact of what was happening to us hit home, the life of Bob, our eldest son, was snuffed out in a diving accident. Two years later, to care for Muriel, I left my life work at its peak. I was numb, not bitter, let alone angry. Why should I be? That's the way life is. Life is in a broken world. But the passion in my love for God had evaporated, leaving a residue of resignation where once had been vibrant faith. I knew that I was deep in trouble, and I did the only thing I knew to do. I went away to a mountain hideaway for prayer and fasting. I took about 24 hours to shake free of preoccupation with my own wounds and to focus on the excellencies of God. As I did, slowly love began to be rekindled, and with love came joy. I wrote God a love letter naming 41 of his marvelous gifts to me, spotlighting 11 of his grandest acts in history, and exulting in 10 of his characteristics that exceed my imagination. Surely he enjoyed my gratitude. Who doesn't appreciate gratitude? But I discovered something else. Something happened to me. I call it the reflex action of thanksgiving. My love flamed up from the dying embers and my spirit soared. I discovered that ingratitude impoverishes, but that a heavy heart lifts on the wings of praise. Sometimes we are like the wise men who bring something magnificent to Jesus. Sometimes we are like the shepherds who leave behind something to come to Jesus. 
Either way, let us choose to come to him every day and worship him with all of our heart. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.